it's really up to the guys whether or not they want to use those resources or just mm-hmm. kind of let them fade away. And I mean, I, I've, I feel that I've used those and I'm trying to do whatever it takes to get to the next level. Can I get a mic check? One, two, one, two mental dive episode 16. What's going on? It's Taylor Staden. You know, I'm in my fourth year of my, my undergraduate degree right now in sports psychology at Laurentian University. And, you know, university has been quite the journey. When you take on a responsibility like like being a post-secondary student, it comes with not only its challenges, but its opportunities. And I bring this up because presently it's March. And for anybody who's been in post-secondary, you can probably attest to this. March is often one of the toughest months of the school year. It's the end of the year. You know, you're kind of getting into summer mode. You're figuring out maybe some summer work plans. And then you got all these final assignments coming in that you got you to complete. And then there's exams. You know, exams in my school anyways usually happen in April. But that's the thing is that as much as we can stress out about it and as much as we can, how do I say this? You know, as much as much as we can stress out about it and as much as we can kind of be frustrated with it, you know, oh, why do we have to have so much on our plate at one time? For most students, this was our choice. We decided to take on the responsibility of... Uh, a post-secondary degree, whether in university or college. And I think it's important for us to frame these challenging moments as opportunities. Using this adversity as fuel, using this adversity to better ourselves and to learn, to learn how to work well under pressure, to learn how to meet deadlines, enjoy the content you're learning, You know, presumably if you're in a university degree for something, you probably like it enough to some extent to commit roughly four years of your life to it. Or if you're in college, usually closer to two. And you might be thinking to yourself, what is Taylor getting at here? Like, why don't I just shut off his podcast right now? Because he's just talking and just rambling. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how this relates. In that, I want to speak to the fact that adversity is not always a bad thing. And that there's times in our lives when we take on certain responsibilities because we want to achieve certain goals, they're not going to always come without their challenges. And particularly when you're striving for a goal, you want the goal to challenge you to an extent. You want to grow. If you're not being challenged, your goal is likely too easy and you're selling yourself short. You're not, and you're not giving yourself enough opportunity to learn and to fail in a sense. Like, no, I'm not saying we got to set up our goals so that we fail. I'm not saying that at all. But we want to set our goals so they challenge us and they push us. And so, you know what? Let's just, let me just relate this to to the podcast today. So today's podcast, as I'm sure you saw from the title, I had the pleasure of being joined by Ty Smolanik. And Ty in, in himself is currently going through a lot of adversity and being challenged. He's ranked as high as 14th overall by uh, a scouting service, International Scouting Services, ISS. 
And so, you know, with Ty pursuing a career in professional hockey, that is presumably his choice, right? And with this decision of his is going to come certain commitments and challenges. So if you look at his draft year, you might notice that he's played less games than other people on his team, the United States National Development Program. That's because he was hit with adversity. He's gone through a slew of injuries early in the year. And in no years less than his NHL draft year, when there's going to be the most scouts on him at any point in his life, odds are, teams are looking to invest in a prospect. Hockey is a business, meaning that prospects are assets. So teams want to make sure that they're making their best prediction at acquiring a prospect. Right, And so that, that puts a lot of pressure on players. What made Ty such an interesting individual to interview was his mindset to pressure. How he views adversity and how he uses adversity to fuel him, to challenge him, for him to grow. And when we can do that, it can help us build mental toughness, resilience, Having that, you know, what is likely sounds like a growth mindset in some senses of the word or term rather can really help us push. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so, like I said, so important for us to be challenged. So until we accept the fact that we're going to have to put ourselves in challenging situations to grow, guess what? We're never going to grow. Look at a flower. A flower does not grow without a, a good a good mix of rain and sunshine. If it's all sunshine, the flower's not going to grow. And so the reason why I brought up, I, I started with the university analogy, talked about taking on responsibilities that come with their adversity and related it to, to Ty's, uh, Ty's pursuit of an NHL career. This leads me into the podcast. And, you know, for those who have not shut this podcast off yet because they're tired, they're not quite yet tired of me rambling, I appreciate that. And you know what? Let's get into the dive. Mental Dive, episode 16, Ty Smilanic. Let's get in it. All right. So today I have the pleasure of being joined by Ty Smilanic. Ty, thanks for joining the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, so you, you originate from Colorado, eh? Yeah, I'm from Colorado, born and raised, and uh, yeah, Colorado's in my DNA. Cool. Uh, and so, actually, this, how about you tell the podcast a little bit about yourself before we uh, before we get into the questions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up in uh, Col- Denver, Colorado, actually Elizabeth, Colorado, a small uh, country town about an hour away from uh, Denver, and the closest rink growing up was 45 minutes away, so I mean... Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I made that trek with my dad there and back every day, I mean it's kind of built me like it i've some of my best memories just kind of on that drive to the rink and um i'm just extremely close to my family i have uh two older brothers nate and justin and a younger sister named rachel i mean it's just i I wouldn't be where i am today without my family so i mean that's just kind of that's kind of they made me who i am and it's awesome sweet man and so i was uh i was digging up some little research on you and 
Sam Constantino was talking about how you had the opportunity to learn under Joe Sackick while you're in Colorado. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, um, he was my coach for a couple summers, and I mean, I, I was pretty young at the time. I think I was eight or nine. And oh, okay. Yeah, I just so honestly, I can appreciate everything that um he was teaching me, but I, I could to this day still remember how great of a person he was to other people, and with him being an NHL legend, it just kind of that's always rubbed off on me of how mm-hmm. he treated people. So it was it was awesome to see even at a young age. Yeah. So what was that experience like for you learning under Joe Sackick? And, you know, you didn't say that you didn't necessarily get to absorb everything he was teaching you because you were so young. But what would you say are some of the bigger takeaways of uh, your time learning under him? I mean, honestly, my biggest takeaways don't even have to do with the game of hockey. It was more or less just the way he did treat people. I I can just remember how I, I would have never guessed he was an angel legend. I just remember how he treated everyone with so much respect and treated everyone like he was no better than anyone and uh that was just that was awesome to see he 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 would take the time and day to say hi to my parents and do whatever he could to make everyone feel welcomed and it was just it really rubbed off on me and i mean i just kind of want to be like him when i'm older and whether i make it far in hockey or not i want to just be a good person to everyone and that's that's going to leave a lasting impression on me for sure that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. It's, it's really, really nice to hear nice that, to hear that uh, the uh, values you take away from NHL legend, legend right, right off the, the bat, you probably think, oh, he's probably talking a lot about stick handling or skating or team player or whatnot, but, but to you, it sounds, sounds like it was a lot more about just molding you as a person and treating people with respect and taking the time to be personable and be a good person. Yeah, 100%. Like, obviously, like I said, I was pretty young when he kind of was there coaching me, so I didn't, the hockey aspect of it, didn't necessarily rub off on me and it was kind of summer so it was more of a relaxed type of atmosphere mm-hmm. but um it it's the more human-like things that kind of rubbed off on me that's going to leave a lasting impression right and, and that last impression led you to playing on a historic uh u.s national development program team last year right? what was it, 17 players drafted last year from the team yeah yeah that that group was pretty special so it was yeah be at the rink with them every day Right. What was that experience like for you? Or even actually backtracking a bit, how did you get involved with uh, that program? Because obviously not everyone gets in. It's only the the top of the top for your age group. How did you originally get um, recruited for that? I mean, being from Colorado, not many, two, or not many kids from uh, Colorado have made the team, so I didn't really hear much about it. But um, uh, my U16 year, they uh, kind of they came out. They took the time to uh, come out and talk to me and see if I was interested and. And when I heard I could play for my country, it was almost a no-brainer from that point on. But um, obviously, I had to make the team. But getting the opportunity to play for my country and uh, represent my family in that way, it was just, in every way, it was a no-brainer. So it was a pretty easy decision for me. Mm -hmm. And then uh, stepping forward back to where we were before now, playing in that program, you know, you're playing with guys like Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegras, Cole Caulfield. I mean, I could go on. What was that experience like for you playing with such a talented group of players? Oh, I mean, it, it was awesome. You really learn a lot through them. And um, being able to show up to the rink and see the habits of world-class players, that obviously five or three, four, five, I don't know how many it was, draft, drafting the top 15. And you see that, and it kind of, you want to become the best player you possibly can be. So mm-hmm. you're working against each other every day to be the best of the best. And um, that's what's so special about playing at the national team is uh, it pushes you to your limits and it pushes you further than you really think you could go. So it was really good having uh, those guys around me every day. So it's cool. It was cool for me for sure. 
For sure. So with with playing with that that level of uh, competition on your team now, did you find yourself always having to kind of think a step ahead or do you think it worked better for you uh, playing with players such high uh, hockey IQ and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're playing with players like that, it just elevates your game to um, a new level and it forces you to uh, get to that level. So I don't think really necessarily it's a hindrance playing with such skilled players because at the end of the day, you want to every kid wants to play in the National Hockey League and every kid wants to be the best version of himself. So having those guys around and having the top end players in the country with you every day and pushing you, I mean, it, it definitely just helps your development and makes you the best player you can be. So, mm-hmm. so, so how, how, how does like a day to day kind of prep with the USDP work? Cause I, I think, I know Ryan Whitney was talking about it a bit on spitting checklists and, because he was involved in that program obviously years ago, but he was saying that you know a lot of you just you all go to the same school, you become a really tight new tight knit group of players. And what's that dynamic like for you? Is it similar to that? Like, do you go to the school with a lot of those players, and where does that kind of team cohesion come into place? Yeah, I mean, actually, my situation is a little different. The all the guys do go to the same school mostly, and um, but. I actually go to a different school. I live about 45 minutes uh, away from the guys. Because, oh, okay. Yeah, it's because my family moved out here with me, and that we already had a house out here, so we just moved into that house. But um, even even not going to school with them, we spend so much time together. There's sometimes mm-hmm. we're we're with each other for a week, every single day, every second of every day, and it's just it's something that I've never really experienced. And it's so easy to connect with a group of guys that you're struggling with on a day-to-day basis, or you're succeeding with on a day-to-day basis it's easy to connect with those guys and understand where they're coming from and for them to understand where what you're feeling and what you're coming from basically mm-hmm. and so with the program now what kind of what kind of resources do they provide you with is there any like do they teach you uh, mental skills through maybe some sports psychologists or mental performance consultants do they set you up with nutrition plans how does how does that all work i mean the U.S. national team, it's the top of the top. It really, in my opinion, nothing compares to it. So, I mean, everything is there at your disposal. So if you need coaches there every single day, if you want to do video with him every single day, he's going to help you. And um, we have top-of-the-end staff there from strength group to head coaches to just everything. And and um, just the way we train there and the way we prepare there is like no other place. And um, – we have so many resources at our disposal that it's kind of I, I feel blessed individually to have all that but it's it's what's going to get us to the next level so it's really up to the guys whether or not they want to use those resources or just mm-hmm. kind of let them fade away and I mean I I've I feel that I've used those and I'm trying to do whatever it takes to get to the next level so if the resources are there if you want it but um it's up to you to decide if you actually want to use them Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That that goes into I feel like that goes into a lot of things in life too with like let's say you go to you go to a doctor. You know, the doctor can only do so much where you really have to take it into your own hands to follow the advice that they give you and same with you know strength and conditioning coaches and you know sports psychologists and a lot of it is up to you. So having the capacity and the willingness to take that extra step by on your own is is integral to to being able to move forward for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more honestly. Mhm. Absolutely. Okay, so now with this program, you know, it's like you said, it's the top of the top, and it's it's a, it's almost acts as a showcase for uh, for the co- colleges and universities for for where you want to play hockey. And you you committed to Quinnipiac University, which 
by the way, congratulations. That that's amazing. Securing a D one scholarship is is a dream of a lot of players, and to to do that, that's fantastic. So congrats on that. Thank what? You. You're welcome. So what sold you on their program? I mean, I could have gone to the Michigans or North Dakotas or a school like that, the big names that everyone knows about that has all the hockey history. But I've never in my life, I've never been afraid to kind of go a different path or the path that people don't really travel too often. And obviously not too many guys coming from the national team going to Quinnipiac. So I, I took it as a chance to um, change the aspect of where players are going and use it as a challenge for myself. Cause I know next year I'll be a big part of that team and I'll get to, I'll get the all the tools and all the ice time I need to become a star player right away. And that really sold me. And especially mm-hmm. just going on a visit there and meeting the players, the coaches and the campus. And I kind of just fell in love. They made, they made me feel welcome and they made me feel as if they truly want me to be there. And that was kind of just, that sold me right there to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because it's not, it's not just about the name of the school. It's about the fit, right? You know, like what, how how big of a part are you going to play in their offense? Are you going to get to play power play your first year and and all these other aspects? So you know you can go to a powerhouse like you know Boston University or you know North Dakota like you said or Michigan, but you, that's there's no guarantees. Well, I guess there's not any guarantees at any school, but there's likely less opportunity um, as a freshman to to play in those situations and to build that confidence. Yeah, I mean, is is there a chance or is it likely that if I went to one of those schools, I could have played first line power play and all that? Yeah, but I mean, I was, I was, you don't know what's actually going to happen or if that's truly going to happen to you next year. And I was confident enough that with everything Quinnipiac offered me, that everything they told me is going to happen, it's actually going to happen. So knowing, knowing that in the back of my head that I don't have to worry about next year, I don't have to worry right now about next year's ice time or the opportunities I'm going to get, it, it was kind of load off my shoulders. So, I mean, that was a big part of making my decision. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and those are all really important things to consider. So, but as you move into college, what are some things that you personally think uh, are going to really help you succeed at that level? And what are some things you think that you need to improve on to to really be a standout player at not only the college level but also as you move into the professional ranks? I mean, obviously, playing uh, where I do now, we already play college games, and we kind of get. I think almost 15 college games under our belt at the age of 17. I think that's just mm-hmm. really going to be an advantage for me and for all my teammates as we move to college next year. And um, I'm going to use that as a, as a um, strength for mine. And that way I'm going into college as a true freshman, but I'm not actually a true freshman. I get to uh, have some games under my belt. Mm-hmm. So just I can go into next year being confident and not really have a filling out process, just be – ready to go from from day one but um uh for me to succeed in college level and even at the next level I kind of just no no kid really wants to play defense that much and I'm I'm guilty of that I want to play offense I want to go score goals but um Mm -hmm. just being more bought in the defensive zone that's that's what I'm working at I've gotten so much better since I've been been uh, at the national team but it's always something I can work on and and something to this day I'm still working on so I use that as a challenge and keep up my offense but even improve in the defensive zone too mm-hmm. and how you've been working on that is is that more so through video and becoming more aware of the defensive side of the game or how have you been working on that i mean offense or d zone is more or less it's i don't look at it as video is going to really help or anything it, it does help a little bit but i think it's more of 
a mentality of how much you want to be bought in. So I, there's not a amount of video I could do that is going to change that. The only thing that was going to change how I play in the defensive zone was my mindset towards it. So I kind of just mm-hmm. had to change my mentality and understand that if I want to play at the next level, I have to make some changes. So making those changes as I am now and going to keep doing is going to make me the best player I can be and give me the best chance to play in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And do you aim to model your game after a certain player or are you just trying to kind of play your own style of game? I mean, yeah, I think every player wants to be a little unique. I want to be the first Tyson Lank. I want to follow anyone necessarily. But um, I, I feel like I play like a Nathan McKenna, obviously being from Colorado and watching him growing up and him being my favorite player. But um, just a guy that plays with a ton of speed, that's that's how I like to play and loves mm-hmm. to shoot the puck and find op- open teammates. And just that's that's really how I like to play. So being able to watch him and kind of at a young age and be able to uh, figure out what he does to make him so special is uh, helped me in my hockey path to become a player like him. Mm-hmm. It's actually really interesting. You mentioned Nathan McKinnon because he, he's actually talked about how during his first few years in Colorado, he, he wasn't seeing the same results as some of the players that he outperformed in junior, like uh, Nikita Kutroff and, and whatnot. So he actually started working with a sports psychologist. And the year he started working with the sports psychologist was the year where he put up, I believe it was 97 points and he had that huge breakout. And for him, it was, I believe his reasoning for it was a lot more about becoming more confident and, um, and just like setting goals and, you know, understanding that, you know, you're, it's okay to make mistakes, you know, mistakes are where you learn, right? If you get too caught up in, in, uh, in mistakes and you're too worried about them, then you're, you're going to hurt yourself, uh, in your development, both mentally and physically. Yeah, I mean, what people forget a lot of the time is that we're still kids and um, hockey is just as much as it, um, physically as it is mentally. So it's it's a mental game out there. I've learned to figure that out, that it's just because I am I could be the most skilled player on the ice or I could just be the fastest doesn't necessarily make me the best. There's a whole other aspect of the game that's mental that you have to learn to accept of losing. You have to accept of adversity and you have to learn these challenges in your head before you can really develop on the ice so i mean the mental side of hockey is just as big as the physical side in my opinion Mm -hmm. i mean i I might be a little biased myself but i'd probably say the same thing (laughs) uh yeah (laughs) so so this year i'm i'm sure you know you you likely hear about it all the time this is a big year it's your draft year uh you know first year of eligibility what kind of preparation have you been doing to prepare for uh, for the draft this year? And what's that process been like for you? I mean, this past offseason, I've trained hard. I trained harder than I ever have. And this, this year, obviously starting the year off with uh, mononucleosis that I had, that sent me back four weeks, four mm-hmm. or five weeks. And then coming back and getting high ankle sprain, that's another four or five weeks. And now I'm just recovering from a broken finger, which I've been playing on a cast with. It's just... It's mm-hmm. been frustrating to say the least, but I mean, especially in my draft year, that's that's I saved all my injuries for my draft year. I guess I've never had injuries, but um, I mean that itself has been frustrating. But like I said, it's the mental side, and I could think of it as a negative and think the world's against me, or I can think of this as adversity that uh, I need to overcome right now in life if I'm ever going to come overcome adversity later on in life. So I've even though it's been frustrating, I want to be out there. I've been hurt. I've tried to be as positive as I can be and be a good teammate and just 
learn from these experiences and just kind of appreciate the game more as I've been away from it. So I, I have more um, excitement towards the game than I've ever had in my mm-hmm. life, honestly. And I'm just kind of excited to finish these off few months, our last few months off before the draft and uh, kind of show teams who I really am. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, with, with that draft here now, you know, there's always going to be scouts in the stands, but what's it like knowing that, you know, there's going to be a ton of scouts in the stands that, that are covering you and are, are really trying to get a sense on you? Like, what, what's that like? Do you find yourself focusing too much on the scouts in the stands or your draft rankings, or do you just try to tune it out and just focus on your game? I mean, it's, it's easy to look at all that stuff, and I try not to. It's, it's easy to... Um, come across something on Instagram and see your name up high and get too high or come across something and not even see your name and think low, but you know, you kind of just have to block that all out. And I've tried to do that the best I can. And obviously every game there's scouts, there could be 200 scouts in the stands or there could be five. It doesn't really matter. You just kind of, mm-hmm. I have to play my game and I have to show them who Tyce Blank is. And I try to do that each and every game and show them that uh, how great of a player I am and obviously if I see them off the ice show them how great of a person I am off the ice too so it's just it's awesome to every game be playing for uh, or ha- every game having people watching you and analyzing you and I I love the pressure I love playing under that pressure and because it makes me play on my ba- best capabilities so it's um it's fun honestly mm-hmm. absolutely and so with that now like we were talking about earlier, uh, there are 17 players from the U.S. Uh, national development team that were drafted last year. A lot of the high names, too. I, what were you saying? There's, there must have been, there's at least five in the top 15, right? Like there was, there was Hughes, Zegris, Caulfield, Knight. Um, was Boldy in the top 15? Yeah, but I think Boldy was 10, so or somewhere around there. He was 10 or 12, something like that. Yeah. So what are some things that you think uh, you learned from uh, just kind of, experience or not necessarily experiencing but just seeing how that all played out with your former teammates what what have you learned from that that's helped shape you to um understanding the whole process today i mean to be honest with you um everyone growing up i've watched the draft every year and and it's cool to see players drafting it's cool to see their dreams come true but last year i'm sitting on the couch with my dad watching the draft and seeing kids i've grown up playing with and that i used to see on a day-to-day basis that's when um it really hit me and um the moment of being drafted kind of became surreal to me that this is this is gonna happen to me if i keep working and it's it was it was awesome to see your friends and just kids you competed with your whole life getting drafted and having their NHL dreams come true so i just i couldn't be happier and can't wait for that moment for when my dreams come true just like theirs did so it's it's uh, not. It seems so far away, but it really is. And so I'm just trying mm-hmm. to take it day by day and just keep playing my game and hopefully get hot, get high in that draft, keep growing up the draft rankings. And um, but at the end of the day, I'll be happy wherever I end up. Mm-hmm. So with and with that team too, you know, obviously Cole Caulfield was ridiculous last year. Like I mean, you could tell me. You could you could talk to me about it far more than I could tell you about it, but were you surprised to see how how Lady went in the draft, considering his season? Yeah, I mean, and Cole Cole was just a great kid. He's one of those kids that um that he had a smile on his face every day, and he's one of those kids that obviously I wasn't on his team every day, but you could just tell he's one of those kids that he made it fun coming to the ring. So see him slide down the rankings, obviously it was kind of a bummer for me. Obviously, it's even a huger bummer for him, but. 
at the end of the day, it's just a draft. It doesn't define you. And he, I know he's going to prove that. He's going to be a goal scorer in the National Hockey League. And if anything, he's going to use that as motivation. That I think he was 15th overall or somewhere around there. That 14 I think so, teams, yeah. Yeah, that 14 teams passed on him. So, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's good to kind of have that chip on your shoulder and something to play for. So, like I said, it's just, it's just a number at the end of the day. And it's up to you whether or not you want to be an NHL hockey player or just just another draft pick. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any, any doubt in your mind that uh, Jack Hughes wouldn't go first overall? Uh, not necessarily. Because, I mean, you see him every day and you see how special of a talent he was. He He's he, he's truly a special talent. So, obviously, I, I think everyone kind of believed. There was maybe some doubts at some times whether or not he was going to go first. But um, I kind of thought at the end of the day that's what's going to happen. And, obviously, this year has been kind of struggling on him. But... It's his rookie year. He's an 18, 19-year-old kid playing in the NHL. So he's going to figure it out, and he's going to become an NHL superstar. So it, I think it worked out pretty good for the Devils. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really tough uh, jump to make, too, from from playing the USHL and the USDP to the NHL level. Like, the physicality aspect is just so, so different. Like, you go from playing against, you know, like you were saying earlier, kids and, and or young young adults, I should rather say, and to, to men like you're playing against you know like Crosby and Brent Burns and Ovechkin and there's just such a difference there from not only a talent perspective but you know taking the physicality and taking those hits and uh, I think earlier in the year he got a taste of it from um, Matt Niskanen and you know luckily Kyle Palmieri was there to, to you know kind of defend him per se but um, it's just it's the, the difference in the physicality is just night and day and that goes kind of goes without saying yeah I mean it- I, I have tremendous respect for him to see what he's doing that he uh to think that what he did it would be like me playing the NHL next year I can't imagine I need a few more years to develop so I have the utmost respect for him to be playing the National Hockey League right now and and even per se he's struggling he's still putting up points he's still helping his team and um that's just that's kind of awesome to see because that's every kid's dream to go in the National Hockey League when they're 18-year-old, but it's only going to come true to a few players. So he, he's going to figure it out. I don't doubt that for a second. So it's uh, it's going to be cool for to see how he develops in the NHL. And obviously, I just I want to get to the same point of uh, where he is now later on in life. So, mm-hmm. so when is the draft combine? Um, I believe it's early June. I don't know. I don't know for sure yet, but I believe it's early June, maybe late May. But um, yeah, I believe that's when it is. Are you doing any specific preparation for the draft combine? Are you just are you just sticking to your your, your routine and just focusing on on you know the, your season? I mean, I kind of been getting ready per se for honestly probably a couple of years because you you want to do good at the combine. That's a big. A lot of players make big steps at the combine. Right now, it's more or less about winning gold in April and being with my brothers and having gold medal in uh, April. So I haven't really thought too much about it, but I'm sure as I'm sure once uh, April's over and the combines cl- are closing in, that there's going to be a lot of preparation, getting ready for it, and mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be cool for sure. Yeah, I mean the combine usually doesn't get too too much coverage from the media obviously it's important for you know like draft rankings with the scouts and the teams but media wise i mean you either you, unless you do something really really good uh or, or really really bad like when sam bennett 
reportedly couldn't do a, a pull up or something like that. That's not exactly what you want to hear in the media. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it was funny. He actually, well, he made he made a, he made a joke of it. I don't know if you ever saw, but he posted a video later of uh, him doing some pull ups at I think it was a park or something, just to kind of put his put his haters to rest. But um, <laughs> that <laughs> that was that was a that was a pr- pretty funny moment. Yeah, no, um, I mean, I th- I believe at the combine too, th- some of the teams will do um, some th- things around testing mental skills, like I believe like resilience or mental toughness or anything like that. And um, from just speaking to you, it sounds like you have a pretty pretty good mindset around those things. You know, uh, through a conversation, you've talked about seeing these uh, adversity as an opportunity for growth and a challenge, which is really important because. With athletes, a lot of times athletes will get discouraged by adversity and just think that you know the world's kind of against them when you have to take control of your situation and, and really just work with it. Because at the end of the day, if you can work through these challenges and come out a better player and person th- for through it, then it really is a positive. It's just about getting there and sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, like for me, I'm gonna use the combine. I'm not gonna just use it as something I have to do. I'm gonna use it as something to get my name more on the radar i mean i i look at myself as a pretty good athlete and i feel like i've been a pretty good athlete my whole life so i'm just i'm going to do the best i can there and whether it's the mental side of the combine or the physical side i'm going to come and prepare for it and hopefully make my name more more on a nhl team's radar so i'm going to use that as an opportunity to advance my dra- draft stock instead of uh, lower it so that's really all i can do so Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ty. So, so honestly, that that wraps up the questions I, I prepared for you today. Uh, again, thank you for taking the time to to join me on the podcast. I I really really appreciate it. It's uh it's cool to kind of hear about the the preparation of someone you know who is highly touted in their draft year and and how they're kind of going about the process. So I I really appreciate this. And uh, unless you have any closing words to say to any you know young hockey players who who may look up to you, and um, that really wraps it up for me. No, yeah, I really appreciate you having me. And for all those kids that uh, have dreams of playing in the National Hockey League, I mean, I was just that kid, too, one day just playing floor hockey in the living room in uh, Elizabeth, Colorado, never really thinking that playing in the National Hockey League was a possibility. So, I mean, I, I just kept pushing through it. I mean, I didn't, to be honest with you, I lost friends, I gained friends because I had to sacrifice so much from moving. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want it that bad, you're going to get there. So just kind of put your head down and, let fall in love with the game and just work at it that's all i did i'm not really nothing special i'm just i i fell in love with the game i had great support system and i just worked as hard as i could to get to where i am now and i'm beyond blessed to have the opportunity to maybe get drafted here in june Mm -hmm. fantastic well you know you're gonna have a viewer in me and watching the draft and i'm really looking forward to seeing where you where you where you end up getting picked man yeah no thank you so much taylor i appreciate uh you want to interview me and uh and i hope uh this was enjoyable for you no ty it's been fan- this has been fantastic for me and i i really appreciate the kind words yeah no problem thank you man thank you to everybody so so much for listening i really do appreciate it i hope you enjoyed the podcast one thing i wanted to ask of everybody um you know if you have time or if you'd uh like to share which one of my podcasts have you enjoyed the most which one resonated with you the most which one did you learn from the most? Have any of them made a, a change in your life? Has, have they changed the way you maybe perceive adversity? Have they shifted your mindset? I'd like to honestly know. Reach out to me at Staden underscore mental performance. That's S-T-A-D-E-N 
underscore mental performance on Instagram, by email, tstaydenatlaurentian.ca. So again, thank you to everybody for listening. I really do appreciate it. Have a great weekend. This has been Mental Dive, episode 16 with Taylor Staden.